Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. I'm going to John chapter 2 tonight. I want you to go with me as we look at the first miracle of Jesus' ministry, the first recorded miracle of Jesus' ministry. And the third day, everybody say the third day. The third day. There was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman. Now, if we said that in English today, in our word, it's like, well, who do you think you are, woman? But that's not the context. That word woman there is one of honor and respect. Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone. Six water pots of of stone after the manner of purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece Jesus saith unto them fill the water pots with water and they fill them up to the brim and he saith unto them draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast they bear it and when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine. He knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed on him. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We are so appreciative of your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you, what you have spoken to us in this word. I pray tonight that you would help us, Lord, to deliver it in a timely fashion but in a clear way. We're going to give you praise for it all in Jesus' mighty name. Let everybody say amen. Lord bless you, you can be seated. The book of John has become an incredible book to me. As we studied in Revelation, we realized in our study of the seven churches that we recently did is that the book of Revelation and the book of John and the book of the epistles of John were written some 
35 years after the other books were written, some 60 years from the resurrection of Christ that John wrote his books. Often we look at the books as being chronologically from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we miss the clarity of Scripture. John had already been preaching the gospel around the country, been used by God as an apostle. He's the last living apostle. Other apostles have died. He's the last one there. And John writes this gospel, again, some 35 years after Matthew wrote his, after Mark wrote his, and Luke wrote his, some 35 years. So the church has been in operation for some 60 years. The church had been teaching repentance in Jesus' name. The church had been teaching Thank God for babies that can have a voice. The the church had been teaching water baptism in Jesus' name, practicing and teaching the infilling of the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, when you look at the book of Matthew and you write it, we often think and people think in dissecting Scripture, and I believe we ought to rightly divide the Word of God. When they read Matthew 28, 19, they think, well, that was recorded Before, so it ought to be the first. But can I tell you, Matthew wrote that book after he experienced Acts 2.38. He knew exactly what he was writing about. If I told you, go go write pastor's name on the sign. And you went out there and you wrote pastor's name. Then you misunderstood what the mission was. The mission was not to do what I said but rather to put the name on it. Uh, that's a little Bible study. I hope, you, you hope you'll just appreciate that for, for the moment. But the book of John is an interesting book. The book of John does not have parables like the others. It, it is not a part of what is known, and we've talked to you about this, about the synoptic gospels. We find that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the synoptic gospels, which means they're very similar in their approach. They're they're basically recording what happened. But John is laying a foundation for who Jesus was. In the beginning was the Word. That's the way he starts. Who has the brass to do that? John did. John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It was John that declared that, it, that the Word was made flesh in verse 14 of chapter 1. The whole first chapter is to introduce us to Jesus Christ, <clears throat> not as a babe in a manger, not as a, as a young child being visited by wise men, but as being the Lord of glory that has, amen, all power in his hand. John gives to us an interesting side view of Jesus Christ. We know from Matthew's writing that Jesus had gone into the temple at the beginning of his ministry to be tested and to do war with the devil as he defeated the devil by the word of God in the wilderness. The next thing that we see him doing in the time slot and in the chronological order is traveling to Cana for this wedding. He's invited by the wedding party to come and be a part of the marriage at Cana. I think it's a good idea to invite Jesus to your marriage. That's not just good for newlyweds, Sister Jolie. 
That's not just good for those that are going to get married later on or those that have been married for a short time, newlyweds, but it is for those that have been married for 40 years. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus knew how to war. He knew how to battle the enemy. He won the war in the wilderness against him. He defeated the enemy handily. And we find that Jesus now goes from the victory in the wilderness. He goes from the victory over Satan's temptation and then to a wedding. How beautiful is that? Is that he goes from warring to a wedding. He goes from battling to feasting. He goes from fighting to festivities. He goes from suffering to celebration. There's a message in that. There's a message in that. Living for the Lord is not all 40 days of fasting and attack of the enemy. That's not all there is. Living for God is not just simply every day a battle, every day a war. Sometimes you need to stop and celebrate a little while. Jesus had enough relationship character that they invited him to the party. He was not a killjoy. He was not a... A, a Daniel Downer or a, a Larry Downer or somebody that would come in and bring things down, but rather he would lift things up. Amen. I am thankful that Jesus can be invited to our marriages. The miracle to me, this first miracle, is a strange and curious miracle to be his first. When you begin to look at other miracles that he did, he could have picked any other location. He could have picked another event. He could have picked another situation, but he picked a wedding as his first miracle. He could have tossed a bunch of devils into a herd of swine as his first miracle, but he didn't. He could have caused blinded eyes to see and uh, the mute to speak, but he didn't. He could have caused the lame to walk, but he didn't, though he did that later. He could have even raised the dead as being what a spectacular way to launch your ministry in a miracle, but he picked a wedding to be the initial miracle of his ministry. The miracle, even when you look at it, it is special, it is wonderful, but it's not as spectacular as, as, as an earthquake that opens up prison doors and loose the shackles over. It's not as spectacular as Lazarus come forth. It's not as spectacular seemingly as open your eyes, go wash in the pool of Siloam and open your eyes. It, it doesn't seem to be in our mind, in mine at least thinking, it's like, Really? This is where you start? But wait just a minute. Wait just a minute in your theological study of this first miracle. Let's remind ourselves right now, for what we see in Scripture, miracles never just happen to be miracles. Miracles don't just happen to happen. They're not a waste of God's time. God does not waste his time, amen, in a miracle. But rather, miracles bring with it signs and wonders. Miracles reveal the glory of God. Miracles bring revelation of God's intent and what he wants to say. God speaks behind miracles. He never wasted his power without purpose. He always had a meaning of his miracle. That's why it's called signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. There are signs and wonders behind the miracle. The first thing that I want to point to you is uh, what is known as the hermeneutical science uh, or hermeneutical science uh, 
of first mention. The first occurrence of something in Scripture carries with it very significant meaning and spiritual weight. What do we know about sin? We want to learn about sin? Let's go to the first place it's mentioned. We want to know about family? We need to go to the first place that is mentioned. The law of first mention has significant impact on how that we see the light of the story and the significance. The first miracle of Jesus is vital or it would not have been listed so. The first miracle of Jesus is important and it stands out not just in the miraculous of turning water to wine, of changing the molecular structure of H2O into wine. It, it's, it's, that's incredible, but the story's much deeper. When you study the Gospel of John, you will find that John begins, as I said in chapter 1, given to us who Jesus is. And what he was all about. But from chapter 2 all the way to chapter 11, we find that John lists seven miracles, seven miraculous events. He could have picked a whole lot more, but he didn't. He mentions seven miracles in the first, uh, 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 some ten chapters here. He talks about the changing of the water and wine in John chapter 2, the healing of the official son in John chapter 4, the healing of the paralytic at Bethesda in John 5, the feeding of 6,000 in John 6, Jesus walks on water in John 6, healing the, the man that was blind from birth in John chapter 9 and then in John chapter 11 is the resurrection of Lazarus it is not a coincidence that God puts things in order and structure I believe the first miracle is the wedding and the last one that is listed in the seven is the resurrection I want to show you tonight that seven carries a significant meaning. And so he is saying, the beginning of my ministry is to start a wedding. I'm starting a romance. I'm starting a redemption. And it's going to end with a resurrection. I'm starting with new birth. I'm starting with you being born again. But it's going to culminate in a rapture and a resurrection. He is the resurrection and the life. But before I can get to resurrection power, I need redemption and regeneration by God's presence. So the first miracle in John in the ministry of Christ was turning water into wine. The last that is mentioned is the resurrection. And we shall see that he starts with a new birth and ends with your destination of being born again. Notice the writer John said in verse 11, This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifest forth his glory. There is a significance behind the miracle. The first thing I want to point you to is the significance of the third day. The third day, the beginning of the miracle and the beginning of the verse says, And on the third day. What is the third day? There are those that reference it to the third day of creation. Is that a lot of Hebrews today are married on the third day of the week or a Tuesday because they believe the double blessing comes on the third day and they connect it to creation. But I believe we ought to look at it more of a literal sense. They were three days after the call of Nathaniel 
which happened in John chapter 1, verse 45 and 51. Three days from the call of Nathanael, since it was the fourth day of the week recorded in John 1, 19, 29, 35, and 43, that, that God came and called Nathanael. The wedding took place not on the third day, but rather on the seventh day of a new week. The seventh day, we know that if we look at creation, God had six, and on the seventh, amen, it, be, it, it shows us that he rests. So what is God doing? Seven is God's number of perfection, and he is saying on the seventh day, Somebody say the seventh day. God is about to do something new. There's an entering in of the kingdom of rest. There is salvation that is coming. There is redemption that is coming. There is a new birth that is coming. There is a new way of worship that is coming. There is a new way of living. Gentiles are about to enter into the kingdom. The church is coming. There's going to be a great redemption. And it's going to come as a heavenly romance. Amen. As the bride and the groom. The wedding is the significant theme of the kingdom of God. For it is a romance of heaven that God's kingdom has been connected to. Jesus is the groom and the church is the bride. The ultimate plan is for everyone to experience the romance of redemption. The ultimate destiny is for everyone to be a part of the marriage of the groom and the bride that we see recorded in John's book that he wrote in Revelation. There is going to be a, a wedding. The intent is that God wants you to be saved. The intent is that God wants you to be born again. And so there was no wine. And Mary, Jesus' mother, came to him. Some scholars believe that this could have been a relative, maybe even possibly the sister of Jesus. Don't know. There is no facts that bear that out. But nonetheless, Mary comes to Jesus and he says, they have no wine. They have no wine. And Jesus said, what am I supposed to do about it? It's not my timing. But Mary, in her faith, said, I'll reach into the future and get what's coming to me. Isn't that what prayer is all about? Isn't prayer simply saying, I'll reach into my tomorrow for what I need today. And I'll watch as God brings that into my world. I'm going to pray and reach for tomorrow and believe God for today. Can somebody say amen? amen. And then Mary turns to servants and says, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Whatever he tells you to do, you do it. And Jesus looks around and he sees water pots. Notice it does not say they were clay pots, but they were stone pots. Very particular pots. These were pots that were made out of stone. They were hewed out of great chunks of stone and made to be pots. These were not just any old pots. They were not just any old water pots, but they were connected to the Jewish working of purification, to the ceremony of mikvah. It was connected to what the Jews understood as a ritual baptism. Amen. So when, let me just say this. When, when Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and says, repent, 
and be baptized in the name of Jesus. Every Hebrew knew this. It meant to go down into the waters of purification in the name of Jesus. They were used to that. That's how they baptized 3,000 that day is because lining the streets of Jerusalem and around the temple, there would be all these different baptismal pools that they would go in and they would baptize themselves and immerse themselves for purification. And now they are going to get baptized and never have to grace the water again because there was going to be a purification like none other. These these stone jars would not have been completely empty. The Jews would have kept them around in their house for waters of purification throughout the day of washing and cleansing. But Jesus wanted them to be full. I want you to go get the water pots and I want you to fill them up. I want you to take water. You're going to put these, this, this water in the pots. Amen. And something happened when they took those pots and they filled them with water. And when they poured them out on the feast, there was a transformation that took place. Can I tell you, the waters of purification are when you go down in baptism in the name of Jesus. And when you come out, you're going to be pouring something out of you that wasn't there before. It is called the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus presented to us within the miracle message of the first miracle, the redemption story of water baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost in the form of new wine. He said, I'm about to change the molecular structure of your life. I'm going to change your soul. He begins with redemption and he ends with resurrection. I believe today that he hid in the first story his plan for a new birth. You must be born again of water. A Hebrew would know what that is. And you have to be filled with the Spirit of God. It is a story of first. It is the wine of new baptism. I didn't give you this, Mariah, but I need you to help me. I'm going to give you some scriptures. Praise God. Get Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4. When you got that ready, go ahead and put up the first verse. Acts 2, 1 through 4. Somebody say wine. New wine. Fresh wine. Hallelujah. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What was that? That was a a changing, a changing of the situation, a changing of their person, a changing of their life. Amen. And that God filled them with the Spirit to give them new wine. Jump down and let's do verses 12 through 18. 12 through 18. Praise God. The Bible here declares that they were watching the scene and the Jews were looking on and those that were gathered there that day were looking on in astonishment and amazement. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 12 it tells us, And they were all amazed. 
and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken as ye suppose. See, it is but the third hour day, but this is that which is spoken by the prophet Joel. It shall come to pass in the last day, saying, God, I will pour, I will pour. I want to tell you, if you're going to be a part of the redeemed that is resurrected in the end, you must be born again. You must be born again of water and of the Spirit. And what happens in, is that there's a change that happens in our life by the power of the Spirit. writer in Song of Solomon declares that he has brought me into his banqueting house and his banner over me is love. There's that romance. He's brought me into his banqueting house. That word and phrase banqueting house literally means the house of wine. Mr. Adam Clark in his commentary said the ancients preserved their wine not in barrels of dark cellars underground but in large pitchers. Large pitchers. Are, 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 are these, these, these stone pots in some upper apartment in the house. The place where they kept their most precious effects was in the upper room. Woo! Hallelujah! Was in the upper room. Jesus has brought his church into the house of wine. It is known as the upper room. All of heaven's treasures are found in the Pentecostal experience of being filled with the Holy Ghost, of being baptized and then filled with God's Spirit, of being transformed from dead to life, from being transformed from sinner to saint, from being transformed from lost to found. It is in the power of God's transformation. His first miracle was not a miracle. Just simply to talk about changing water to wine, it was to talk about the new birth. Paul put it like this, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of God, power may be of God and not of us. That is the water and the wine experience. Ephesians says that we are not to be drunk with wine. Where is it excess? But we're to be filled Fill those water pots up, amen, with water because he wants you to be filled with the Spirit. Hallelujah. John wrote in one of his epistles, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he's given us his Spirit. How do I know who I am? Because I have been changed by the Spirit of God. We find that the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's what happens when you get full of the Holy Ghost. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. He also wrote in Romans where Paul said, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Oh God, would you take us and change us? God, 
God in the waters of baptism be purified Lord and then change us God into that wine experience where we see you Lord in a new light where we experience the best we don't we don't have the, the end that is the, the least but rather the best it's something that has transformed our life how many of you have been filled with the Holy Ghost been filled with the Spirit of God did that experience change you? Did he change you? Was there a transformation in your life? Are you walking in that transformation? Are you still sipping on the wine? Are you still drinking of the new wine? Are you sipping on the things of this world? Is the experience of the baptism of the Holy Ghost gotten colder and colder in your day? Amen. Is there, there, is there a distance between you and that spiritual intoxication? Or do you need to get back again in the water and the wine experience and say, oh Lord, let me have the best. The best is suddenly there came from sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Transformation happened as he takes a vessel and he changes us by the power of the Spirit. I'm transformed by the Spirit. You are transformed by the Spirit. It is the message of the first miracle. The first miracle that he did in starting his ministry. He may have done other miracles that we do not know. That is not recorded. But the first recorded one had a purpose, had a, a, a design message and sign for us. And that's transformation. Are you changed? Stand with me, please. Are you changed? Are you born again? Have you been to the water? Been baptized in Jesus' name? Have you spoken tongues when the Holy Ghost came? Is there a transformation in your life? Oh, thank you, Lord, today for transformation. Come on and love him right now. Hallelujah. Do you have the Holy Ghost? Then stir that up in you. Are you filled with the Spirit of God? Then stir it up in your mind. Hallelujah, Lord, I praise you, God. Need to build up my faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. I need to pray in the Spirit, and I need to sing in the Spirit. I need to pray with understanding and sing with understanding. But, oh, God, help us, Lord Jesus, to walk in the power of the Spirit. What's going on in your world? I'm drinking of new wine. Why do you act different? I'm drinking of new wine. Amen. I'm drinking of the wine of the Holy Spirit. It's not just a, a, a passing fancy. It's life changing. Come to the altar right now. Let's pray. Let's come and seek the Lord here today. New wine. Lord, I thank you for new wine. I thank you for fresh, fresh, powerful move of your spirit. For the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, can, can you reach out for renewal today? Do you need another taste of God's Spirit? Hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. We thank you, God, for it today. We thank you, Lord, for it today. Oh, you are God. There is none beside you. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, fall on us. Fall on us. Fall on us, O oh Lord, today. God, let your spirit, God, move upon us with a new wine experience, with conversion. Lord, we don't need to just turn over a new leaf. We need conversion. We don't need, Lord Jesus, to go through a process of, of, of 
some kind of resolution, but we need, Lord, regeneration. We need transformation. Change us, oh God, into your image, from glory to glory, into your likeness, oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus today, Lord, I praise you, God, for transformation. Thank you, Lord, for it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord, I praise you today. Lord, I bless your day. Lord, I bless your name, oh God. Hallelujah, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We give you praise. Worship him in this house. Praise him in this place. Thank you for listening to the MPC Podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.